Thank you for listening to the Murray Hills Church podcast. We're in a series right now called Anchored Spirituality. It's an emotional health series, and we're going to be looking at six different principles to help us improve our emotional and spiritual health. I hope you find this helpful, and I hope we learn something together. Amen. Thank you for suggesting that song, Scott, and for picking it, because it's, uh, it's perfect for what we're going to talk about in this series, and I'll, I think you'll see uh, when we get there. We are going to take our offering before we, we get into the message this morning, because we're going to close with a song, and so we're not going to have time to do that at the end. So taking the offering right now is really just a reminder. So if you're giving electronically, it's a reminder. You can do that now. Uh, if you're giving by check, you can drop it in the collection boxes as you leave today. Uh, this is also the very last Sunday that I will mention recurring giving schedules. We, we usually take the month of January and talk about that, and this is the last Sunday in January, which I have no idea where January went to. I mean, it's just like, bam, it just, I don't know. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. But uh, if you're not on a recurring giving schedule, think about doing that. And you can find the information at, at murrayhills.com forward slash give. The other thing I usually mention is in the month of January is if you are on a recurring giving schedule, uh, think about what you're giving. Because it's the beauty of having that schedule is you can set it and forget it. You don't have to remember the checkbook every week. You don't have to remember to send the text every week. You set it and forget it. The danger, of course, is you set it and forget it. And so is, you know, some of us, you know, we set it five years ago and never looked at it again. And our situation has changed and we're able to do more, but we just never really have considered it. So I'm always like, take the month of January and think about it, which means take today and tomorrow and think about it because January is here. And, um, or February is here. I, I said to our staff this week, like, I just, I, I don't feel like the new year has even started yet. I, I just, for what it, like, everything was kind of, we had some momentum during Christmas and things were kind of stable during Christmas and this like January hit and there's been three snowstorms we almost had one this week like every week it snowed in January which is weird for Tennessee and then the Omicron surge and it's just like we hadn't I mean it's just we've had sickness running through staff and running through our band and all that stuff and it's just man it just feels weird right now I'm just I'm so ready for normal and we've been saying that for two years i'm so ready for normal i'm so ready for some kind of rhythm kind of get our feet back under us and just have some kind of rhythm and i'm hoping that we're kind of moving into that maybe as a church we're moving into that we got this new series starting today anchored spirituality that'll take us all the way through march about mid-march and almost takes us to easter and um we got small groups starting up and so small group season kicks off today and we, we are encouraging all of our small groups, if you're not meeting yet, start meeting again. So it's time to, if, if your leader hasn't reached out to you yet, it's time for you to reach out to the leader and say, hey, it's time for us to get together. Uh, so we encourage our small groups to meet from February, March, April, May. Basically meeting from now to sometime in uh, Memorial Day and then our second season. We basically follow the school year. So second season's in the uh, August through November time frame. But I'll talk more about that later. Let's talk about... Uh, Anchored spirituality. This is, as Scott said, this is an emotional health series. If you don't know what that is, I will try to explain it. Um, I want to talk about why it's important, and I want to talk about why we've chosen this one in particular. Um, emotional health is pretty important to us at Murray Hills. It's, it's one of our core values as a church. We have seven core values as a church, and one of those is connected to emotional health. We express it as we want to be a safe place, a place where people can be real, vulnerable and honest and a big part of being a safe place 
is a place where we can have some emotional health and spiritual health. And that's what this series is going to focus on. Uh, The text is Psalm 69. Psalm 69 and Psalm 77 are the two uh, texts that we're going to look at today. So if you've got a Bible with you and you want to find the Psalms, go ahead and find Psalm 69. Every, every time I start one of these series, I find myself being driven back to the Psalms. And there's probably good reason for that. I'll explain when we get to reading those. But Psalm 69 and Psalm 67. I want to start with this, though. Um, a Wall Street Journal article that my dad sent me about a month ago. And uh, it's about a company called Glow. And this company is using the same algorithms that, like, big companies use. So everybody knows how these algorithms work right now. We all know that all of our online activity is being tracked. And we know that there's some algorithms that all these companies have out there, and everything we search for online and everything we do online is building into these algorithms to tell companies how to advertise to us. So we, and, and every one of us knows how this works, and it's, it's a bit creepy, and it's also a bit helpful. It's like, I don't like it when they do it, but then I find myself clicking the ads and buying stuff. You know? So I was like, I was looking for a tent. How did they know that? Well, because it, you know, if we search for something on Amazon, then within minutes, it's, it's in all our news feeds, right? It's in our Instagram feed, Facebook feed, everything. If we search for something there. If we search for something on Google, within minutes, there it is. It's like all of these companies are in collusion to get us to buy more stuff because they are. And the algorithms are even deeper than that, though, right? We know that, like, they will piece together. They're trying to figure out our patterns and behaviors and that kind of stuff so they can piece together and say, what's going on in their life? And then how can we match that with an ad that may help them? And sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. Like, I'm looking for a a place to stay in Virginia right now because I'm doing a wedding in Johnson City, Tennessee, and we were thinking about, why don't we just go up to the mountains in Virginia and stay, you know, the weekend whenever I do the wedding there, and so I searched a place to stay in Virginia. Well, every every single ad I get now is like VRBOs and Airbnbs in Virginia and Carbonal places and everything because the algorithms put together, he's planning a trip to Virginia. We got to give him stuff that he wants to do while he's in Virginia. So there's things to do in Virginia and all this kind of stuff. Um, sometimes, though, they'll get it wrong. Like, you could you know, say you go to a baby shower and you're going to buy a gift for uh, the, the mother at the baby shower and you buy some kind of little dress or something for a baby or a little blanket or something like that. And he goes, hmm, he must be having a baby. And so then you're getting advertisements for diapers and strollers and, you know, what to expect when you're expecting all this kind of stuff. I mean, that's, we know how this works. This company right here is using that same approach for churches. And we'll talk a little bit about that. It, it's kind of creepy and kind of helpful at the same time. But, but they're using algorithms and they're selling this, these, this data to churches to say, we're kind of looking at people's online behavior and saying, based on what they're searching for, they may be open to an invite from a local church. Like they may be open to an ad from a church. And so you can, you can advertise to them based upon the things that they're searching. Well, that was what got me interested in the article. And I'm like, well, what are they looking for then? Based on what people are searching for online, what, why, how would they choose to advertise to that person based on what they're searching for online? And there's the obvious, you know, like the Google and, you know, churches in my area or churches near me or non-denominational churches near me. Of course, you're going to get some ads when you do that. That's the obvious one. But here was the not so obvious one. This company determined that when people were facing a crisis they were more likely to be open to an invitation from church. 
So they were trying to build an algorithm based on if people were searching for like help for my marriage or uh, getting out of debt or dealing with addiction or uh, dealing with depression. So they were, they, like, they were looking at people's behavior online to try to determine whether or not they were struggling with mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, those kind of, and saying those people might be more open to an invitation from church. And so that's, that's what they were advertising to. Now, the, the article kind of gets into, they've taken some heat for that because people are like, wait a minute, that, that kind of feels invasive. You know, you're talking about my mental health and you're trying to determine, based on what I searched on Google, where my mental health is. And so the, the company's taking a little bit of heat for that and we can debate the ethics of it. And I actually think you can debate the ethics of all algorithms because, I mean, they're all just a little bit creepy, right? I mean, we've all, they, they've advertised stuff to us before and like, wait a minute, I didn't search that. That was a conversation we had in the car. Who was listening to that? You know, and Siri is listening to that all the time. And Alexa is listening to that all the time. But what got me interested in it, and this is not, I'm not like using this to, hey, this is a new software we're going to be introducing for evangelism for the church, that kind of thing. I'm not talking about that at all. What got me interested in the article and got me thinking was, in my experience, uh, they're right. At least from that, like, they're right. Like, when I think about why people come to church who maybe have never been in church or have not been in church in a long time, um, there's usually one of two things going on. One is there's some kind of major life event takes place. They get married, they have kids, they move to a new town, uh, start a new job, graduate you know some kind of major life event took place and they said you know what we need to we need to get back to church you know like you know what we won't raise the kids in church we need to we need to start going to church again like something happened some major life event or there was a major crisis and I think about folks that you know maybe been out of church for a long time raised with some type of background of faith or had some kind of connection to that when there's a major crisis there's a there's a terminal diagnosis you experience some kind of trauma you're going through some type of relational crisis with, with your marriage or with your children um, or some other part of the family or you're going through some kind of uh, mental health crisis. Whatever it is, that that's the point in which people go, you know what, I need help and I don't know where to turn and I feel like I'm seeking here and I don't, I don't, I don't know where to go. I, let's try church. Because that's, that's all we know. It's like we we're, get driven back to the things that, like, I need something where the center holds a little bit because I don't feel like the center's holding right now. And so that's, that's when you come back to church. And, and you come back because you're looking for help and you're looking for faith and you're thinking maybe this is where I can find it. Maybe I can find health, hope, and healing. And that's one of the things that this church talked about 20 years ago when we started was we wanted to be a place where people could discover health, hope, and healing. And, and sadly, churches have not always been a place where you could discover that. Like churches, I said, you know, we want to be a safe place. And sadly, churches have not always been a safe place for people who are struggling. Um, because it's, you know, we kind of tended to shoot our wounded or distance ourselves from the wounded. Because, well, we don't want to, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like we tied in any type of crisis or struggle with uh, a lack of faith. And I think that's a really, really dangerous assumption to make. And... So we haven't always been a safe place, but that's, that's what we want to be. I mean, that's one of our values as a church is what we're trying to do. We want to be a place where people can um, 
get healthy again, a place where people can heal, a place where people can discover hope. Because at the end of the day, uh, church is not a social club. I mean, there's a social component to church, but it's not a social club, and it's not a service organization. There's a service component to church, but it's not a service organization, not like Rotary or Kiwanis, you know, we're gonna, let's go serve, you know, our community. Um, it's not a worship experience. It's not, you know, like sometimes we've reduced church to a worship experience, or we've reduced church to a, to a sermon, you know, it's, it's, and a church is about producing good content. And, you know, I just want some good content. I walk out of here, we go eat, you know, Applebee's and go, man, that was good today. What? And I, I don't know who eats at Applebee's. I don't know why that one popped into my head. But, you know, legends, wherever you go. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's a hospital. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a spiritual hospital for people to find health, hope, and healing. And what that means is that church gets really messy sometimes. And uh, that, that makes us uncomfortable sometimes. And it, it makes us want to do it. But it just does. I mean, that's just part of uh, church is messy. And I, you want it to be that because you want it to be a place that I know that I can go. It, it, like, for a while, it was like I had to, if I had my life all together, I could come to church. And I say that's the opposite. It's like church is the place you come when your life is not all together. It's, it's the place you come when you're a mess. I know there's people watching online right now who are afraid to step into this building because they don't feel like they got it all together right now. Like, you know, I, I watch online, that's a safe I'm not saying everybody online doing that. I'm just saying there's got to be some people watching online like, I don't feel safe going, but I can at least watch and, and hear what they have to say. It is safe to come. I mean, it's, it, it's okay. We're, all of our lives are a mess. Some of us are better at hiding it than others, but all of our lives are a mess. Some of us are more open about it than others, but we're all a mess. Just get to know us. <laughs> Just, once you get to know us, you'll discover how messed up and screwed up we all really are. Because all of us, I mean, you think about that algorithm and what they're saying there. All of us have dealt with some kind of crisis in our life. We're either, some of us may be in the middle of a crisis right now. Some of us may be just coming out of a crisis, and some of us may be heading into a crisis which is the scariest one of all. It's like, well, I'm not in crisis right now, and I'm not coming out of one. But, there, you know, we're, we're kind of, that's part of the human condition is, is dealing with these things and dealing with crisis. And um, we're, the, the body is supposed to be a place, like when I read the New Testament and what the church is supposed to be like, I read stuff like out of 1 Corinthians 12, and it says that we should have equal concern one for another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Or Romans, it says, you know, we, when, when one part weeps, everybody, you know, we weep with those who weep, we rejoice with those who rejoice. The body is meant to, to be together and to have equal concern one for another. So not everybody in the church at one time is in crisis. Not everybody's in crisis, but we need to raise our awareness of our brothers and sisters who may be in crisis to say, how can we help? How can we sit with you? How can we, how can we be, be there with you and walk, walk through this with you? How can, how can we be a safe place? And that's, that's why we do emotional health series. That's why for the last five or six years I've tried to do um, maybe one of these a year. We were actually in the middle of our last one when the pandemic hit. I mean, we were right in the middle of it, and we didn't get to finish it because of the pandemic. And, um, I mean, if anything, the pandemic showed us was a lot of us were not nearly as emotionally healthy as we thought we were before the pandemic. 
Because, you know, it's, it's very easy to assume that we're in a great place when we feel like we're in control and, you know, we feel like, you know, we're not. But when everything gets ripped out from underneath you and you don't feel like you've got any control and there's the anxiety spikes and the fear spikes and the worry spikes, then we discover whether how emotionally mature or spiritually mature we really are. And, and I do think we need both to endure crisis. It's not, you know, for a long time, we've tried to kind of separate the two. And it's why uh, we know a lot of people who are spiritually mature, quote unquote spiritually mature. Oh, no, no, they know the Bible backwards and forwards. And they're, they're there every time the doors are open. And they, man, they're, they're listening to Way FM every time they walk out. You know, they're, they're spiritually mature. They're very, very godly people. But they sabotage relationships and they don't know how to handle their anger. And um, the anxiety runs out of control. And um, they don't know how to handle stress well. I mean, they know the Bible, but love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, those, those things are not part of being spiritually mature. And I think it, the reverse is even true in today's culture because their, emotional health is such a kind of a hot topic culturally. Like, we know some people now who are, who are emotionally mature. You know, like they're, they're emotionally mature. They got a high EQ, you know, high emotional intelligence, but there's... It's not connected to anything spiritual. And I think you miss out. There's no higher power. There's no higher purpose. It's not connected to anything that helps you actually do the things you need to do emotionally. Like it's, I think Pete Scarzo, would you throw that one up, Tommy, for me? He wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And he said this, you can't be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And uh, that quote has really messed me up. Because it's, it's changed my definition of spiritual maturity. And I've tried to like understand that a little bit better. Most of what we call spiritual maturity is pretty surface level stuff. So you can assume that I'm spiritually mature because I get up here and talk about the Bible every week. So you can assume I'm spiritually mature. Or if I quote a lot of scripture, you can assume I'm spiritually mature. And uh, this kind of drives it deeper into, yeah, but is he loving? Is, does he have peace? Does he have joy? Does he... Does he have self-control? Is there a gentleness? Is there a kindness? I mean, it drives that deeper. And I actually think the reverse is true as well. Like when I look at this, I think you can't be emotionally mature while remaining spiritually immature. Because it's got to be connected to something deeper than just us. Sometimes we can get so focused on on emotions and self-care that we stop caring for others. And I think that's a dangerous path to go down. And um, we've got to have the spirit to help us do these things. I'm like, how can, I, how can I achieve any kind of emotional health or emotional maturity without having the spirit to do this? Because I, I, I'm nothing without the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk about, about both in this series because I think both of them are important. And I, when we get to the, I'll show what anchor means and all of that. But um, it's really a series, and this is not where I expected it to go. It's really a series for how to handle crisis. You know, how, to, how do we deal with, and I, I'm not, emotional health is not always about crisis, but it, it's just a, how do we handle it? Because when, whenever we go into a crisis, when you know, we get the diagnosis, the relationship falls apart, the addiction gets the best of us, uh, we experience some kind of trauma. Whenever we go into crisis, it can feel like everything is lost. Like, it, it, it feels like the anchor doesn't hold. 
Like when we go, it feels like we're adrift and there's just nothing that can hold and there's no center and there's no foundation and I just, I can't get a grasp on anything. I feel like I am sinking and there's no way out. Um, so this series is kind of like, what can we do that helps us anchor ourselves to something that holds? So what, what are some practices that we can have? And again, it's, if you're in the middle of a crisis, you're going to want to be a part of this. But if you're not in the middle of a crisis, one's coming. I hate saying that. I hate saying that because <laughs> it scares me, honestly. Um, but it's part of the human experience. And so whenever I think about crisis and, and facing crisis and dealing with it, the reason I always find myself going back to the Psalms is because the Psalms do two things when they talk about this. Uh, one, they're honest about it, which doesn't always happen in church. The, the Psalms say things that we couldn't say in church. Like, if I stood up and said some of the things that the Psalms say, but I wasn't quoting from the Psalms, you would get upset with me. Like, I don't, I don't think a preacher should say that. You know, I don't know about that. I'm kind of worried about his faith. Calling down curses on your enemies? I don't know. I'm not very godly to me. The Psalms say things that I could not say if I wasn't reading them. Okay? We, I, when I read them, I can say them because you go, oh, that's God's word. But uh, they're honest is what I'm saying. They're honest confessions of the human heart, but they're also centered in something. So Psalms of Lament is one of the most frequent psalms that we find in Scripture. It is an honest confession of the human condition, and then it points us to God without losing hope in, in the God who prevails. So I can honestly confess where I am and what I'm feeling and why I'm struggling right now without losing sight in the fact that God will prevail in the end and that hope remains. I'll show you what I'm talking about. I'm going to read you two of them. Not the whole psalm, but Psalm 69. See if any of this sounds familiar. Uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold to stand on. I am in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched and dry. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Those who hate me without cause are more numerous than the hairs on my head. These enemies who seek to destroy me are doing so without cause. They attack me with lies, demanding that I give back what I didn't steal. Go, oh God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. Don't let those who trust in you stumble because of me, O sovereign Lord Almighty. Don't let me cause them to be humiliated, O God of Israel. For I am mocked and shamed for your sake. Humiliation is written all over my face. Even my own brothers pretend they don't know me. They treat me like a stranger. Psalm 77. Starting in verse 1. It says, I cry out to God without holding back. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I pray with hands lifted towards heaven, pleading, there can be no joy for me until he acts. I think of God and I moan, overwhelming with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I'm too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days. Long since ended, when my nights were filled with joyful songs, I search my soul and think about the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? 
Will he never again show me favor? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Has his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be kind? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate, that the blessings of the Lord Most High have changed to hatred. And that sounds familiar not because you often hear that prayed in church settings. It sounds familiar because we've prayed it. Or maybe we were too scared to pray it and we just thought it. It was just rumbling around in the back of our minds. But that's the thing about the Psalms. It's, a, it's an honest confession. And the only thing that I can piece together is like, why did God include this in the scriptures? It was included to tell us we're not alone. This is not new to 2020. One twenty twenty two. This is I mean, this is part of the human condition. Humans forever have struggled with their relationship with God. They've been angry with Him. They've wondered whether whether or not He's pulled His favor. They wondered why they're going through this. Why are they experiencing this when other families aren't experiencing this? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to us? Has God has His compassion ran out for us? I mean, we, those are those are normal thoughts. Those are normal things that we experience in life. And the Psalms honestly tell those and say. This is, yes, this is exactly what you're feeling because this is real. And it's okay to confess that. And it's okay to pray that. These are songs of worship. I mean, up at the top of the psalm, it tells you what tune to sing it to. And the reason they're songs of worship is because they always push back to where the answer is. So here's the way the psalms end. And Psalm 69 is long, so I'm not going to read all of it. But in the middle, it says... All this stuff about I'm sinking, I'm sinking, I don't know that I'm going to survive. But I keep right on praying to you, Lord, hoping that this time you'll show me favor. In your unfailing love, O God, answer my prayer with your sure salvation. Pull me out of the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Rescue me from those who hate me and pull me from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. Answer my prayers, O Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful. Turn and take care of me, for your mercy is so plentiful. Don't hide from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in deep trouble. Come and rescue me. Free me from my enemies. Or in the 77th, it ends with these words. I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about them. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of miracles and wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. You have redeemed your people by your strength, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph by your might. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down their rain and the thunder rolled and crackled in the sky. Your arrows are lightning of flashed. Thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. So the Psalms are honest confessions, but they're rooted in God and who he is. Even when we are doubting that ourselves, even when we're thinking, I don't know that I believe this anymore. I don't know that they're rooted in that God is mighty and that God will make a way when there seems no way possible. No matter what barrier we're facing, you look out, that, that last one talks about the children of Israel facing the Red Sea, Pharaoh's behind them, the Red Sea's in front of them. There's no way out of this. 
There is nothing but death ahead of us. And God makes a road through the sea. And so they keep, they keep bringing us back to God. And that's one of the things that we're going to try to do in this series. What I want to talk about in the series is that the anchor holds. It doesn't feel like the anchor holds. When the, in the midst of the storm, it doesn't feel like the anchor holds. But the anchor holds. And there's some things that we can do to strengthen our anchor. As, as believers, to strengthen our anchor so that when those storms come, when the clouds gather and the, the wind hits, we can hold steady in that storm. So here's what we're going to talk about in the series. If you, it's an acronym. Okay, Anchored is, is an acronym for the six things we're going to talk about. I'll introduce this real quick, and then we're going to, have a, we're going, we're going to sing a psalm to close. It's, these are the six things we're going to talk about. A is, is authentic faith, finding a faith that's real, felt, and one where we don't have to pretend anymore because we're not being graded. So many of us, uh, when, we, when we think of faith, we, we feel like we're being graded by our brothers and sisters rather than actually experiencing authentic faith. We're going to talk about nurtured rest, the fact that we do not have to be continually climbing the ladder of success. We don't, and the, the church is, is hyper-focused right now on leadership and success. Leadership, every pastor's got a leadership podcast. You don't always have to lead. You don't always have to be climbing the ladder of success. It is perfectly okay, matter of fact, recommended to take some rest, to step back and go, you know what? I'm going in an unhealthy direction. And I may succeed in my business, but I'm going to lose my family in the process. And I may succeed, and everybody may look at me as this great leader, and I may have likes and follows, but I'm going to, I'm going to lose my mind in the process. It's okay to step back and rest. We're going to talk about courageous candor. And this is about saying the unsaid. So many of us avoid difficult conversations <laughs> because we don't want to you know, upset the apple cart. We don't want to rock the boat. And so we don't say what we're really feeling, and that's not always helpful. It sometimes makes things worse. And so sometimes we need to have the courage to be able to tell somebody, hey, we need to talk about this because this is something's wrong here and we need to talk about it. We're going to talk about uh, the H is humble attitude. Uh, a lot of our spiritual immaturity comes from a lack of humility. And a lot of our emotional immaturity comes from a lack of humility. Ego gets the best of us. And ego, ego is sneaky. Uh, the O is open to feedback, the idea that I'm, I'm willing to look at my blind spots, I'm willing to accept criticism, I'm willing to, to accept feedback, and, which is basically saying I'm willing to grow. If we're not willing to accept feedback, accept criticism, you know, be willing to examine our blind spots, we're, we're really not willing to grow. And then that last one is resilient faith, and it's the idea about um, to endure tough times, perseverance to make it through, knowing that, you know, this is a... This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We can make it through. No matter what happens, we can have the perseverance to make it through. So we're just going to take one of those each week and talk through those. And um, here's the way you can get the most out of the series. I want to mention this, and then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to end. Um, the first thing is join a group or start a group. And the reason I say that is I'm just going to barely scratch the surface on every single one of these every Sunday. There's no... I'm just, 25 minutes, I'm just going to open the door to conversation. That's the way I'm looking at the messages. Not to answer all the questions, but just to say, let me open a door and see if this is something you want to explore more in your life. You can do that with a small group, and that you can either join one of our existing groups, or you can start one of your own. Just call some friends and say, let's get together and talk about this. You want to get together and process this together? That's fine. 
Um, the commit to Sundays is just the idea that each one of these builds on each other, and I would encourage you to like commit. Like, I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to. I may not be here every Sunday, but it's on YouTube. It's on podcast. I can catch up uh, throughout the week. Those last two, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of together. I should have put them together, but that invites someone to join us and pray for the series. I'm just going to put all of them under pray for the series. Um, I'll probably talk about this more next week. I'm nervous about this series uh, because I'm not good at any of this. So I'm, I'm like a terrible guide. Um, so it, it's nervous to me to write these and to think about it. So I'm asking for prayers for me because I've got to do some work to, to prepare this, this series. But I also want you to pray for people who need to hear this series. Because I know there's folks that are watching online. I know there's folks in the room that need to hear the series. And, and um, I want you to pray. That be, uh, there's people who aren't here today that, that need to be here. And I want you to pray for that and invite them to be here and to be a part of it. Um, we're going to close today with the singing of a psalm, uh, a modern-day psalm that expresses the same things that the psalms we just read expressed. It's an honest confession of the human heart, but it, it, is, it is asking God, it is begging God, it is praying to God that he would, uh, he would take this thing and turn it around. So I know there's some folks that need to hear this today, and I asked the team if they would lead this song specifically because I kind of think this is going to become the anthem for the series. So let me lead us in a word of prayer, and we'll stand and, and close by praying this song. Father, I'm thankful for this place. I'm thankful for uh, the people who came before me that said, we want a church to be a safe place for people who are struggling. And we all need that at different times in our lives. And if we're in the midst of the struggle, I pray that you keep affirming to us that um, we are loved, we are accepted, that people are here for us. Because in, in the midst of the struggle, it doesn't always feel that way. And if we're not in the midst of a struggle, you keep growing us, our empathy and our compassion for other people and our love for other people to communicate that you are loved, you are accepted, you are welcome here. And uh, Father, ultimately, we look to you because we know that we can do nothing without you. And whatever's going on in our lives, if it's going in the wrong direction, God, help us turn that around. And that is our prayer that... Uh, that we will sing to you right now. And so I'm not going to end the prayer. Let's just continue it. Let's, let's stand and sing this. Turn this thing around. 